It's time for a Swedish Fika with some Swedish fun facts with your host, Pixopia. Last Sunday, September 9th, was the election day in Sweden. And since this is a podcast about Sweden and Swedes, I had to cover it. But before we talk about the actual results of the election and what changes it will lead to, let's talk about the election process. Hey son, hey, I am Pixel Pia and this is my podcast, A Swedish Fika, where I talk about everything and anything that has to do with Sweden. If you like what you hear, I would love for you to subscribe to my podcast. But now let's get into the election and the election process. In Sweden, the election is held on the second Sunday of September every fourth year. There are three elections held at this time. Riksdag, which is the parliament, Landstinget, which is regional assembly, and kommunvalet, the municipal assembly. Sweden uses proportional representation, which means that if a party gets 25% of the votes, they also get 25% of the seats, with one exception. To get a seat in the riksdag, a party will need to get at least 4% of the national vote. The rules are different from the regional and municipal elections, which makes it easier for small and or local parties to get represented in those elections. The Riksdag has 349 seats and at the moment there are eight different parties represented. I will talk a bit more about those parties when we get into the results of this year's election. Since Sweden is part of the European Union, EU, there is also a fourth election held every fifth year to the EU Parliament, but I will not talk about that in this episode. But let's talk about what responsibilities each of the three assemblies have. The Riksdag, the parliament, decides the laws in Sweden. The government runs the country at the national level. It does so by ensuring that the decisions made in the Riksdag are carried out. The government can also propose new laws or changes to existing laws. The Riksdag then votes yes or no to the government's proposals. The Riksdag makes decisions that affect the entire country. The Riksdag also makes decisions about the income and expenses of the Swedish state. The state's expenses include universities and university colleges, the police and the child benefit. The Riksdag and the government are both part of what is referred to as the state. The regions are responsible for medical care. There are 21 regions in Sweden and the most important task of the regions is to manage care services. They manage medical care, health care and dental care. They are also responsible for public transportation such as buses, trams and the metro. The municipalities manage schools. Sweden is also divided into 290 municipalities. There are 
large and small. The largest one is Stockholm, where almost uh, one million people live. And the smallest is Bjurholm municipality, with fewer than 3,000 people. Municipalities are responsible for many of the services that are provided where you live. It is the municipality that ensures you get water when you open the tap at home and that there are schools for the children in your area. The municipality is also responsible for ensuring that elderly and ill people receive help when they are unable to look after themselves. Both municipalities and regions are financed via taxes. Taxes make up the biggest share of municipalities and regions' income. Other sources of income are state subsidies and fees charged for services. The money is used for schools, hospitals and roads, among other things. Municipalities and regions are free to decide how high the taxes the residents pay. That is part of what is known as regional and municipal autonomy. Let's talk a little bit about who can vote. The rules for who can vote and who can become a politician and run for a seat are the same. So if you are eligible to vote, you are also eligible to run for a seat. To vote for the Riksdag, the parliament, you have to be at least 18 years old on the day of the election. You have to be a Swedish citizen and you have to have been a resident of Sweden. For the regional and municipal elections, the rules are a bit different. You have to be at least 18 years old and have been registered as a Swedish Swedish resident for at least three years, but you don't have to be a citizen. So how does the actual voting work? If you are eligible to vote, you will get a voting card sent to your home address. This card will tell you what voting station you have to go to to cast your vote. This could be in a school nearby or any other official or public building. At the voting station, you use paper ballots with the different party names on them and the names of the candidates that represent the party. These ballots come in three colors. Yellow for Riksdag, the parliament. Blue for Landstinget, the regional. And white for kommunvalet, municipal. There are also a blank ballot, a ballot without any party affiliated that you can choose. If you want to vote for a particular candidate on a party's list of candidates, you can do so by putting an X or a check mark in front of that person's name on the ballot. You will get three envelopes, one for each election, and you go behind the screen to put your ballots in those envelopes. When voting, you have to show your voter's card and an identification. Accepted identifications are ID card, driver's license, and passports. You can also vote early. Early voting starts 18 days before the election. 
The process is the same, but instead of going to the polling station, you use other locations specified by each community. Often those are post office or something similar. You use the same type of ballots and there are screens placed in these early voting locations. The early votes are then sent to the voting station you are designated to and will be part of the counting of votes at that station. So how do we count the votes? Immediately after the closing of the polls at 8 p.m., the votes are counted in the polling station in this order. First, the parliament votes, next the municipal votes, and last, the regional votes. First, the early votes that has been sent to your, to the voting location are put in the ballot boxes with the other votes. The number of voters who have cast their votes according to the voter register is determined and the envelopes in the ballot box are counted and compared with that numbers according to the voters register. If there is a discrepancy, a recount is carried out. If there still is a discrepancy, this is written in the polling station report and the count continues. Next step is to open the envelopes and the ballots are sorted according to the party. Spoiled ballots are set aside and counted. A ballot is spoiled if the ballot is marked so the voter can be identified. If there are more than one ballot for different parties in the envelope, if there are ballot, more ballots, but they all are for the same party, one ballot is valid. If there is more than one party name on the ballot, or if there is no party name on the ballot, the ballots are then counted per party and the numbers are written in the polling station report. The ballots are put in a special plastic envelopes. A separate envelope is used for each party and the spoiled ballots has their own envelope. And the envelopes are sealed. The ballots, the voters register and the reports are delivered to the local election committee and from there to the state county administration for the recount. As soon as the parliamentary election is counted in the polling station, the results are reported by telephone to the regional tax authority. The parliamentary results are forwarded to the National Tax Board, where a preliminary distribution of seats is carried out and published. The results from the municipal and county, the regional council election, are reported in the same way, but the procedure ends at the regional tax authority where preliminary distributions of seats are carried out and published. Predictions of the parliamentary results are made by the media based on sample results delivered by the National Tax Board. The media bear the responsibility for these predictions. However, the accuracy of the predictions has improved and normally the predictions are very close to the actual result. The local election committees are responsible for late absentee votes that have not been sent to the polling stations and mail-in votes. This count takes place three days after election day and by and large the same rules apply as in counting at the polling station. 
The election materials are delivered to the state county administration for a recount immediately after the count is finished. At the final count, all ballots are examined and decided on once again. The ballots are counted not only by party, but by each list within the party and preferential votes for candidates. The numbers are entered into computers and the results are calculated and seats are distributed among parties and candidates. These operations start the day after the election. The final parliamentary results are published a little more than a week later. The final regional and municipal results are published approximately three weeks after the election. All ballots, reports and voters register are kept in case of complaint. In 2018's election, 87.2% of persons eligible to vote also chose to do so. In this year's election, it was somewhat lower at 83.84%, but compare that to the U.S. presidential election, which has an average voter turnout of around 62%. So now let's look at the 2022 election. At the time of my recording, there are still some question marks, but I will try to give you an accurate as possible picture of what happened and what the consequences will be. And just a fun fact that sometimes creates confusion. In Sweden, the left parties are represented as red parties, and the right parties are blue. The opposite of here in the US, where red is the color of the Republicans and blue the color of Democrats. So, let me first give you a very short introduction to the eight parties that were and that still will be represented in the Riksdag. For many years, there were five parties in the Riksdag, and those five are easily presented on a left middle right scale, with the three additional parties. That type of scale is a little bit more complicated. But let's start to look at the five traditional parties. We have Vänsterpartiet, the left party, and Socialdemokraterna, the Social Democrat Party, which both are considered to be on the left. We have Centerpartiet, the center party, and Liberalerna, the liberal party, which both are in the middle right spectrum. And we have Moderaterna, the moderate party, which is on the right side of the spectrum. As I said, these parties were represented for a very long time without any other parties reaching the 4% threshold to gain a seat in the Riksdag. In 1988, the first party for 70 years to be part of the Swedish Riksdag was Miljöpartiet, the Green Party. And they are often considered a left-center party. The next party to get elected was Kristdemokraterna, the Christian Democrat. They first got represented by cooperation with the center party in 1985 by having one of their representatives on the center party list. In 1991, the party got its first seat under its own name, 
by breaking the 4% threshold. And they are considered center-right. The latest party to enter the Swedish riksdag is Sverigedemokraterna, the Sweden Democrats. The party describes itself as a social conservative with a nationalist foundation. But the party has been variously characterized by academics, political commentators, and the media as national conservative, anti-immigrant, anti-Islam, eurosceptic, and far-right. The Sweden Democrats reject the far-right label, saying that it no longer represents the party's political beliefs. The party crossed the 4% threshold for the first time during the 2010 general election. And now I'm going to go over the numbers. I will go from the largest party to the smallest, and I will tell you the percentage of votes and how many mandates they got in the Riksdag, which is a total of 349 mandates or seats. So the largest party is the Social Democrat Party. They have 30.3% of the votes, which is an increase of 2%, and that gives them 107 seats. That is an additional 7 seats. The second largest party is the Sweden Democrats, with 20.5% of the votes, an increase of 3%. They will have 73 seats, 11 more than in the last election. Then we have the moderate party, which got 19.1% of the votes. That is a loss of 0.7%, which means they lose two seats and have 68 seats in the upcoming Riksdag. The left party got 6.7% of the votes, a loss of 1.3%. They lose three seats and will have 24 seats in the Riksdag. The center party will also have 24 seats. That is for them a loss of seven seats, since they got 6.7% of the votes But in their case, that was a loss of 1.9%. We have the Christian Democrats who got 5.3% of the votes. That is a loss of 1%, which means they will lose 3 seats and have 19 seats in the upcoming Riksdag. The Green Party gained 0.7% of the votes and got 5.1%. That gives them 18 seats, which is a gain of two seats. And the Liberals will be the smallest party in the new Riksdag, with 4.6% of the votes, a loss of 0.9%, which is a loss of four seats, and they will end up with 16 seats in the new Riksdag. So what will happen next? In order to know who can become prime minister, it must be clear how many mandates have been distributed in in the Riksdag and which parties that can form a majority. Most often there will be either one party government with expressed support from other parties or a coalition government with ministers from several parties. The sitting prime minister can choose to resign after the election if it is clear that there is no longer support in the Riksdag. 
She is then dismissed by the speaker, but at the same time is tasked with leading a transitional government until a new government is in place. In this election, the speaker of the Riksdag, Andreas Norlén, met with the Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson from the Social Democrat Party, which had announced that she intended to submit her request to be dismissed from the office to the Speaker. Magdalena is now leading a caretaker government in accordance with the rules of the instrument of government. It is the Speaker's task to bring forward a new candidate that the Riksdag can tolerate and vote yes for. The Speaker invites all party leaders to a meeting to gauge who can possibly receive sufficient support, a process that is usually referred to as the Speaker's Round. The Speaker will talk to the representative of the Riksdag parties individually, and the Speaker will then submit his proposal for a new Prime Minister to the Riksdag. After each parliamentary election, there is also a speaker election, which means that it can be one speaker who initiates the formation of the government and another who takes it to the finish line. When the Riksdag votes on the speaker's proposal, the principle is that the new prime minister can take office if there is not a majority that says no. Parties that accept the proposal can therefore say yes. They can also opt out of vote. But if there is a majority of no votes, new speaker rounds will start. The speaker can deliver four proposals. If all of them are rejected, there will be an extra election where the process is started all over with a new election. When the Riksdag approves a new prime minister, it also approves which parties will form part of the government. Then the new prime minister must deliver his declaration of government in the Riksdag as soon as possible. It describes in broad strokes what policy the new government intends to pursue and who will become ministers. After that, The formal change of power takes place at the council with the king. So where are we right now? The Swedish prime minister has, as I mentioned, decided to resign and the speaker's rounds have started. On Tuesday, September 27th, the Riksdag will open and the speaker can suggest a new prime minister. Until a new prime minister is elected, the resigning prime minister will be in charge of a transitional government. From all reporting so far, Ulf Kristersson, the party leader of the Conservative Party, Moderaterna, has already begun informal negotiations over who will sit in his cabinet. His party had pre-electoral alliances with the Christian Democrats, the Liberals and Sweden Democrats. But internal divisions are already apparent. The Sweden Democrats took over 20% of the national vote to become the second largest party in the country and the largest on the right. 
they can thereby make a strong claim to be a significant player in the government. However, in order to form a parliamentary majority, Kristiansson needs the support of the Liberals, and they have said they would not support a cabinet where the Sweden Democrats hold the ministerial posts. The likely outcome will be a Kristiansson government without a formal Sweden Democrat presence. Instead, Sweden Democrats will exert their influence outside the government through a formal contract with the Conservatives. The contract will outline the policies that the Sweden Democrats want to see implemented in exchange for their parliamentary support. So there are still not totally clear who will become the next prime minister or who will have a seat in the government. The only sure thing for now is that we will have a shift from the left to the right, even if the margin is very narrow. In my next episode, I will talk about something that is very close to my heart the Swedish educational system. You might already know that I was a teacher for 15 years in Sweden, and I really care a lot about education. So if that is something that you would like to hear more about, I suggest that you subscribe to my podcast. Until next time, as we say in Sweden, hej då! can keep up with everything from a Swedish fika on a Swedish or on Facebook as a Swedish fika and you can reach Pixelpia at pixelpia at a Swedish fika.com.